welcome to Emotion Well, EFR's podcast about all things related to emotional wellness. I'm Johanna Dunlevy, the wellness manager for Employee and Family Resources, also known as EFR, and I'm the host of our podcast. As an FYI, EFR is located in Des Moines, Iowa, and we are Iowa's first employee assistance program and provide a variety of services you can learn more about at www.efr.org. I am here today with my friend Jen Becker, the National Director of Sales from Marquee Health, and I'm really excited because I'm seeing you in person, although we are safely distanced. I just want everyone to know that we are sitting more than six feet apart. Yes, thank you for having me in. It's so good to be out and in public and even all masked up. I got dressed up for this. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So Jen and I have known each other a long time. We go back. We're wellness professionals. We've always done different things within the wellness uh, industry and Our careers have overlapped um, several times, and so I consider you a friend, but also someone who I really look up to, and I appreciate all of your expertise, and I'm excited for the the information that you're going to share with our listeners today. Uh, I want to talk about, so it's January 2021, it is a new year, and people are still living through the pandemic. We're living in the pandemic, and so we're still working from home, we're still somewhat socially isolated or maybe we're quarantined or we're just not living the lives that we used to live. And I think, in fact, it's hard to sometimes remember what those lives looked like. I mean, for me, it's like, what did I used to do with all my free time? I don't know. Um, But work, work takes up a vast majority of our time as people. So we spend more time, you know, working and with our colleagues than we spend with our families in many cases. Although that is different now because a lot of us are working from home and our families are also working from home or schooling from home. But I think the concept of a work-life blend or balance or integration, whatever you want to call it, is more important than ever. I think the pandemic is starting to weigh quite heavily on the workforce. And so I'm just curious, how have you been doing um, as someone who has historically worked from home because of the nature of your job? How have you been doing? How have you adjusted and kind of ebbed and flowed through the the past, gosh, now like nine months? Yeah. um, So it's been interesting. I mean, I have, I've worked remotely for the last 14 years. So what I haven't been accustomed to is having others, um, my kids, in my space mm-hmm. and just balancing that piece of it. And then um, what I also enjoyed about, you know, my work prior to the pandemic was having that balance where it was nice to be working remotely and at home, but then a fair amount of the time I was actually jumping on an airplane. Mm-hmm. So that honestly has probably been the hardest adjustment for me is I really get a lot of energy from the people that I you know, have partnerships with, the new businesses that I'm going into to talk about the concept of you know wellness and, and mental and emotional health. Um, I've missed that interaction. Yeah. So it's still trying to have that come through, whether it's in Zoom. Um, At first, you know, when this first started, I was like, oh my gosh, really like a webinar. Am I going to be able to kind of get the same energy or feel? Mm -hmm. And I was pleasantly, you know, pleased. And I don't know if that was, I was so deficient in seeing people (laughs) that, you know, that kind of satisfied the itch a little bit. But um, yeah, I think when I have hard days um, and now that the weather, at least here um, in Iowa where we are, is cold, um, 
like this too shall pass, like one yeah, day at a time. For sure. Trying not to get overwhelmed. Um, try to move my body, I guess. I've always tried to revert back to some habits that I try to establish um, every day to start my day. Uh, so I try to uh, write five um, things that I'm grateful for. I do some journaling, usually in the morning. I really try not to pick up my cell phone or any type of um, mobile device for the first hour or so. I like to get a cup of coffee in me. I'm with you. It's hard, but it is I, hard. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Um, and, you know, then it is. It's moving my body. I try to do at least 30 minutes of something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm better if I can get that in in the morning um, before I really start my day. I think even though um, I'm passionate about this wellness stuff, I have some of the same challenges as the average person. For sure. You know, busyness and in some cases any other thing can come in the front of um, wellness. So um, I have set myself up a little bit differently at home. Um, I did get myself a Peloton bike, oh, and, nice. which I absolutely love. Um, I think it's almost kind of like the perfect storm. So the workouts are great, but honestly, the motivation and the kind of emotional energy that I feel was something that I kind of discounted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really enjoying that experience. Um, you Did know, you enjoy the element of slowing down? Like I know you used to travel a lot. And so like balancing like travel and working from home and your young children, like was there ever a period where you were like, yeah, I kind of like this. Like this is this, you know, forced slow down or shut down of all those other things. Because I know your kids are pretty involved in sports. Right. So that probably slowed down. Right. Did you enjoy that initially? I did. Yeah. And I actually still enjoy it. Um, I hear that from a lot of people. You know, I I do enjoy my job and I enjoy the traveling piece of it, but um, there can be so much that is accomplished through phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, a fair amount of what we do is technology-driven. Um, there is the on-site component But it's just kind of being smart and leveraging that. So what I think the pandemic really has done for business across the board is it's kind of caused us to be a little bit more mindful about how we should travel maybe if and when we get back to that. Uh I mean, there were a number of times um, that, you know, I got on a plane because I needed to see a client in California and then I built my entire schedule around that one meeting. Mm -hmm. So sometimes those meetings were, you know, meaningful. Um, Other times I probably could have accomplished um, some of the same goals just by a simple phone call Mm check-in. But because I was already there, I took advantage of that face-to-face meeting. Do I think it um, opened additional doors? I think it's hard to say, but what I think the pandemic has done is it's kind of put us all on you know, kind of equal playing ground. I felt like before as a vendor, if you didn't show up and fly across the country for that meeting, you were kind of almost looked at negatively. Mm -hmm. So I think as we're just all trying to be more mindful about travel, um, you know, spending that I don't know if it'll ever 100% go back to the way that it was. I and would agree. And I'm I think okay that's, with that. I think that's one of the silver <laughs> linings, for me at least. I, I'm i someone who doesn't love traveling for work because I really like my routine and and I have a small child, but 
I, yeah, I've been very efficient and I feel like I've made more connections because I've had more time in my day now that I'm not traveling. Because, you know, especially if you're traveling by car, you know, within the state of Iowa, you might drive to Cedar Falls for a one hour meeting and then your whole day is gone, you know? So oh, yeah. I've enjoyed that. Um, a couple of things you said that I, I think are worth noting for our listeners, gratitude list. So um, whether it's one thing, three things, five things, 10 things, whatever it is, just being able to recognize what is going well amidst everything else can be a game changer. And so I've gone through phases where I do a lot of journaling and then I also, you know, dedicate like, okay, so, you know, for this month, I'm going to do a gratitude list, uh, you know, every day. And it's going to be like you said, three or five things. I think that's so powerful and it can help put things in perspective. And one of my favorite parts of doing those lists is looking back at them. So when my daughter was first born, and this is almost four years ago now, I, I started a gratitude list on maternity leave. And it's kind of funny when I look back at it now because it will be like three hours of uninterrupted sleep. And it's like you forget, you know, it, it does put things in perspective. So um, I like that you said that. And I also like how you said that intentional movement and um, what you were describing is basically self-care. You're putting yourself first. And yeah, you know, doing it as early in the day as possible um, means that you don't procrastinate it, right? If you just get it done, there's no time to procrastinate. And that's easier said than done because we all have the best intentions, I'm sure, when we wake up each day, but life life happens. That's what we say at EFR. Life happens. We're here to help. Um, I'm just starting to say that all the time now. But uh, for me, like I, I used to consult with people one-on-one -on -one about, you know, health goals and, um, you know, maybe it was weight loss or exercise or eating healthier or reducing stress. But like 12, 13 years ago, I would listen to these people. And granted, I was at a very different place in life um, than I am now, but I would, I would hear what the people were saying. And it was just so hard for me to like understand. And I'm a really empathetic person, but it was really hard for me to understand. Like, what do you mean? Like you don't have 30 minutes and I get it now. I get it now um, because I'm now that person. Like sometimes I see myself, like you said, you are the person right. that we're trying to help. Right. You know, we be, we are all that person. Um, and so I one thing I did before we move on to something else, um, one thing I did at the beginning of the pandemic was I committed to daily yoga with Adrian videos. So Adrian Mishler is a yoga instructor on YouTube, and I highly recommend her. She's just I, – I feel like we're friends. I want to be her friend. No, she's uh, – so she's very um, welcoming and the the yoga videos she has are adaptable and anyone, whether you're a beginner or advanced, would get something from them. And she always has a good positive message. It's very uplifting. And she does yoga with her dog, Benji. Oh, very fun. Um, and so Audrey, my daughter, is like, oh, is it Benji? You know, and, and she, she loves that. But – I committed to a daily yoga with Adrian, and I was able to do it for like half of March, all of April, all of May, and I got into June, and I did it until like June 9th, and I missed a day because there was something that I needed more. It was like I, I was having a bad time. You know, I needed to talk to a friend, and so I chose that over yoga with Adrian. And the next day, I was like really hard on myself. I was like, I can't believe I broke the streak. I committed to yoga with Adrian every day until life returns back to normal. And at that time, I thought it was going to happen more quickly than it has. And then I was like, wait, wait a second. You did yoga with Adrian for 87 days straight without a break? Like, this is okay. Right. <laughs> like, you are human. <laughs> so um, just, just like – 
show yourself the same kindness and grace that you would give to others, I think is huge. When yeah. you're thinking about self-care and how you can make it work in your life. Yeah. And I think, too, it's important when you're trying to establish um, what this self-care looks like for you, um, where I – you know, as you mentioned, I've worked in this space for a long time. And when I look back over the 20 years, both professionally and personally, you know, there's been times where I've done a better job than others mm-hmm. taking care of myself. But what I found to be really key is when I started to really look at maybe this is semi midlife crisis, I don't know, but what are my core values? Mm-hmm. Kind of writing those core values down and then establishing my habits on a daily basis to kind of move me closer to those Be in core alignment. values. Yeah. Right? Are my actions matching my core values? Right, exactly. And so it almost kind of built in a level of accountability versus just saying this is just something that would be nice or yeah. I'm being told to do this. It actually... Um, gave it a little bit more purpose in yeah. carving out the time to do that. And it it's outside of that, uh, you know, and a lot of people think of wellness in the workplace, they think of incentives and like, if I do this, I earn this. And yes, that's part of wellness in the workplace in many workplaces. But what you're talking about is intrinsic motivation. Like right. you are taking a deep dive and looking at, okay, what do I value most in life? And are my actions and my habits mirroring that. And I think that's really important. Um, So let's talk about workplace wellness because that is your expertise and you've been in it a long time, right? So um, I was doing a little research before our podcast today and I just, I want to share some interesting um, findings. So when it comes to worksite wellness, over 50% of employers use a third-party vendor to implement a wellness program. And that makes sense to me because not every organization has a wellness professional, and it, it really is a full-time position. If you want to get a wellness program up and running in your workplace and you want it to make a difference, you want the culture in your workplace to be that, of, you know, it supports self-care, personal well-being. Um, it, it does take time and effort, and wellness committees are great, but sometimes it's just not enough. And so um, Jen is with Marquee. I'm with EFR. We have actually partnered to provide wellness benefits in workplaces. And so we'll talk a little bit about that later. But if you're listening and you're in that position in a workplace where you're wanting to make change and, you know, whether your employees are working in the workplace right now or working from home, there is room for growth. And employees really appreciate it when they are valued and recognized as human beings <laughs> and not just, you know, the person that does this in accounting or the person that designs the website. And so thinking along those lines, there are a lot of resources available to help you get a wellness program up and running. And we'll share kind of how we could be um, the helpers in that case. Um, Just kind of some trends that I've been seeing, and I'm curious to hear from Jen if she's also noticed these. Uh, There's been an increase in mental well-being and behavioral health programming in the workplaces, and there's also been an interest uh, in financial well-being. Have you been seeing those trends? Yes, definitely um, significant alignment. Um, it, was, it was quite interesting. About a year ago, I was sitting at a conference um, in Michigan with the Wellness Council there, and there was some rumblings of, you know, is wellness in the workplace a concept that is going to kind of you know, sputter out? Mm-hmm. Is this going to be something that, you know, have we kind of run its course? And I think in how wellness is being delivered has changed. You know, we're not doing um, through this pandemic as much on-site work in some regard. 
I think that's also kind of ebbed and flowed. I think we had a little bit of a shutdown period and then, um, you know, some of that on-site work definitely has resumed. And even though um, a lot of workforces are predominantly working remotely, there are a lot of employers that are still sending employees into either a manufacturing environment, a distribution right. environment. Right. And we are and have been servicing those groups. But um, definitely a lot of interest in mental health, a lot of interest in stress management, a lot of interest in how to bridge the gap or reduce um, kind of the, the stigma between wellness and an employee assistance yeah. program. Well, I always say, and we've done a presentation together years ago, and I opened the presentation with raise your hand if you have a wellness program in your in your workplace, and you'll see like maybe half of the hands go up or more than half. And then I'll ask, raise your hand if you have an employee assistance program in your workplace, and most hands raise. But an employee assistance program is a wellness program. That's right. It is. It's, I mean, yes, we need to view, you know, mental health in the same way we would view a walking program or a smoking cessation program. It's a tool that we provide people in workplaces to help them improve their lives, to help them manage life's challenges, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, you said that, you know, stress is constantly kind of on the radar. And I did read from, and this is from a shortlister, uh, it's from Shortlister, and I don't know if it was – I think it was an assessment or a survey they did. But the number one concern in small businesses is stress. And I don't see that that has probably changed, you know, in the in the past year. I think it's probably only increased. Um, but I also like how you said so, there are some employers who are still, like, going into the office, like manufacturing and construction and whatnot. And one of the reasons why if if you're looking to start a program to enhance your employees' well-being – one of the reasons why it's nice to work with a vendor is because they have worked with manufacturing and they have worked with construction and they have worked with, you know, the people that are working from home regardless of a pandemic. And they've worked across all the different sectors because what works for some environments is not going to work for others. Um, you know, populations are different. And I think that that's also kind of the advantage of using an expert who's had that experience, you know, this is what this factory setting did and this is the change that they saw. So I also, I, yeah, I think, you know, if you're listening and you're wondering how does this even apply to me, if you're, if you are in the workforce, whether you're a decision maker or not, you know, how do you show up for yourself during your workday as it relates to self-care and wellness? And if you're a leader or manager, how do you show up for your team? And I think that's also interesting. We were talking about, um, a podcast you were listening to recently, and I think it was Brene Brown's podcast, and share what she had shared about what exercise a leader was doing to kind of engage with their employees on a deeper level. Yeah, it really um, it really caught my eye um, and interest simply because I, for years, have um, been kind of waiting, I feel like, for emotional uh, health and mental wellness to be come a little bit more uh, mainstream in the wellness arena. Mm -hmm. I do feel that it is truly the foundational pillar of everything that kind of falls under or has an opportunity to fall under the well-being bucket. But specifically um, in this podcast uh, by Brene Brown, she was suggesting that um, pandemic or not, uh, a good way for leaders to potentially start a meeting is for everyone to go around the room and just simply share two words, just check in um, on where they're at with the day, 
It could be just how they're feeling, maybe something they just recently dealt with. No explanation, just two words. But what I think it does is it, um, you know, may help you uh, kind of see how they're showing up, give some insight without any explanation Mm -hmm. on maybe what they're struggling with personally. It may um, create a situation where you extend a little bit more grace to that individual as a result of what their their words were. I mean, ultimately, we're, we're being a little bit more vulnerable with sure. each other. And we're connecting in a way that um, is also vulnerable. So even though the meeting objective isn't about, you know, mental wellness or team bonding, I think both of those elements are elements that can be accomplished and can be pretty powerful. Yeah. I can see it also as a way to build trust, mm-hmm. you know, and it might not happen right away, but over time, I like that. What would your words be today? I'm putting oh you on the goodness. spot. Um, joy. Joy. That's a good one. And excitement. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. That's good. I what think, would your two words be? Well, I'm, I was thinking about that after I asked you. I was like, oh dear, now <laughs> I have to. Uh, I would say I'm excited because... I'm sitting in a room with a friend and we're doing a podcast, but I also feel distracted. Yeah. Yeah. It's just different than how we – I need to find a better way to manage my email. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. It's it's overwhelming. I think a lot of people feel that Yeah. way with regard to email. I have to share – I'm going to take us off. I have to share this story. So one day my, my – this is probably been five, six, seven years ago now, but my son came home and he's like, Mom, what do you do all day? <laughs> And I just simply said, you know, I just answer emails and make phone calls all day, which is sometimes, you know. Sometimes it is what you do all day. That's really what it feels like sometimes. (laughs) So it was just so funny. But um, yeah, you know, people have gotten really creative with the email in terms of time blocking, Mm -hmm. you know, setting it up to where you're not just responding to what's coming in, right? You're actually like running a meeting, disconnecting from that, like. And time blocking, okay, this next 45 minutes, I'm going to answer emails. I think we may be a little bit more efficient when we do that sort of thing. I think so too. If I'm working on a big project, I shut out of my email completely. And I'll give my team members a heads up, like, hey, I'm not in my email right now. Right. But So if you need me, you can get a hold of me, but I won't be responding. But yeah, I think... I just feel like I'm constantly checking my email and yeah. responding. So don't you think the big question here is is making sure that even though we're working differently, right, we're still setting healthy boundaries. Yes. Um, and I think this is really hard because, you know, we have maybe a little bit more, I'm using air quotes, free time because <laughs> yeah. we can't do yeah. a lot of other things that we normally would give ourselves permis- permission to shut down. Right. But... I have heard this over and over again where people's workday is starting much earlier. And ending and, much later. Yes. And sometimes even over lunch. And extending, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not really having that kind of shutdown period. Um, some industries, that's more important than others to right. actually have that break. I think, again, we're all the same people mm-hmm. regardless of what we do for a living. So I do think that refresh is important. And it is important to establish some boundaries and, you know, try to stick with them. You know, that's kind of the, the rabbit hole, I feel like, with email and having, um, you know, 
your cell phone, you're constantly connected. Yeah. And as people, we have become accustomed to that. Oh my gosh, I sent her an email. Why isn't she responding? Yes. So it's um, reestablishing those working guidelines, um, you know, not only at the corporate level, but within teams and then you know, how you're personally going to pan- kind of manage your Yeah, and your communicating day. it. And yeah, I think that's important. One thing that I miss is like the transition between, okay, breakfast to work. You know, it used to be like a 10-minute car ride because right. I, I don't work too far from where I live. But now it's just kind of like breakfast to my – well, I'm eating breakfast at the same table I'm working. So there's no transition. Uh, or even at the end of my work day, you know, the transition. Like I I do physically put away my my computer and everything – um, but I, I do miss kind of that transition and that transition helps me. And even if it's like I take a lunch break, then the first thing I come back to is like my computer. So I think I need to identify like, what can I do for like five or 10 minutes after lunch, but before I go back into like checking email or whatever, you know, what can I do for myself that might be work related or just might be self-care related. But, um, yeah, I think, I think everyone is not everyone. A lot of people are struggling with the same things because again, for some people life hasn't changed that much in the workplace, right. but for others it has. Um I liked how you use the the, you know, show up with your two words or what are your two words that you're showing up with today. I think that's great. Um another thing that I came across um that would be helpful if you are in a leadership role is um to show empathy and be available for your team members. I you know, and that's harder for some people than it is others. Um, but just communication and, you know, understanding and things like that can go a really long way for team members, especially if you sense that someone's struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know back when my daughter was um, with me during the workday, she's since returned to school. But when she was with me, you know, I think my leader could sense that, okay, we've been on the phone long enough. I've, I've got to let Johanna go like this. It's time. Right. <laughs> you know, and so just understanding and using your emotional intelligence, you know, to pick up on some of those cues. Um, another thing that I read was stay connected to your team um, with the, the various meeting tools that are available. Uh, I know for for myself, my two team members both started in the past um, in the past year. So one of them we didn't meet for a couple of months, and one of them we were able to meet right away. But it's still hard, you know. It's it's there is something missing. There's you know it's it's harder to just form that bond and get to know people. You have to kind of make more of an effort, I think, to get to know people's likes and dislikes and and maybe how they best work. And um, it's just it's different, you know. Yeah, and I would. You know, I've I've talked to a lot of employers, you know, that are, are we're all kind of living through this. And what in what are they doing in their leadership role or even in their team world that um, they are trying to be mindful that people might be struggling and feeling more isolated than they ever have felt before. Other people might be totally enjoying right. being at home. Um, so you know, I've heard of of organizations like you know, establishing a buddy system and, um, you know, they're being asked to check in on that person. Um, in some cases they've tried to make like a little, uh, kind of scavenger game. Oh, that's Um, cool. You know, that's kind of fun to do. Um, you know, sending little care packages to each other, um, virtual parties. I know, um, over the summer, uh, Marquis usually gets together for a big summer party in Chicago is where our, our headquarters are. And we did a minute to win it virtual, um, 
party and uh, they actually hired uh, someone to actually MC this. Oh, fun. <laughs> and we were broken up into teams and we went into um, kind of like our team kind of went off and we had like our own, it was again, all virtual. So we had our you own- You had your own breakout like, room. Breakout yep. room virtually. We could kind of do that. And then we went back into the group and that was really- um, you know, my first exposure to a lot of my team members, because I haven't um, met face-to-face, you know, many of my team members since I've been with Marquee. And it was just such a fun way to try to, again, have that team bonding happen. And that's wellness. And that's wellness. And and I think that's, you know, that paints the picture. Like, wellness is more than are you – providing a walking program, a smoking cessation program? Are you doing biometric screenings? All of those things are wellness, but that's not where it ends. I mean, it really, it extends. And I think that's what's important for not just employers, but employees to remember is that they can be part of their company-wide wellness program or initiative. And a good program would make it inclusive where there are a variety of things for people to choose from, to be engaged and Uh, where we're moving more towards that intrinsic motivation where people are feeling different, they're feeling better, they're feeling like they have purpose, they feel more connected. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's so important. And it often gets overlooked, you know, but I I think there's a shift. I've been sensing a shift. Yeah, I think we're really starting to look at the whole person. Um, I think for a long time in the industry, we really looked at the physical Mm -hmm. side, um, physical movement, we would, you know, factor in nutrition, maybe some social, and that was really it. But now kind of sky's the limit on what we want to kind of pull into the wellness stratosphere, whether it's, you know, career development that can definitely fall under. Training and development. Right. It can be definitely social. It can be mental health. It can be, um, you know, volunteerism. Yeah. You know, there's so many different ways. And that's kind of one of the fun things, you know, when I sit down in, in my role with organizations is tell me about your culture and how we can have the wellness program enhance the culture and um, use some of the tools to keep these benefits and just some of the fun stuff that you offer in front of people. Um, Sometimes we have really good total rewards programs in play, but out of sight, out of mind sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like some of the resources that we now have, um, which have not always been a part of corporate wellness, Um, assist us in that way. So it's leveraging those tools and again, giving people permission to kind of, you know, determine what their wellness program is going to be um, including and some of the goals and objectives around it. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, it's definitely a direction that a lot of employers are pursuing or if if they're not pursuing it, they've thought about it. And um, I just want to share that, you know, EFR, we have had a wellness benefit in place since 2011. Uh, I've been with EFR since 2015. So in the time I've been here, we've expanded it to include a lot of what we would call like turnkey deliverables. So, you know, instead of your wellness committee having to develop a campaign or a program, we have all of these ready, ready to go. And a lot of them tie back to the EAP and how to use the EAP. And it kind of helps um, – 
normalize, you know, the idea that, oh, emotional well-being is part of well-being and it's part of a wellness program. And so if you're listening and you know you have our benefit, we have these resources available. If if you're listening and you don't have our benefit, we offer a great EAP um, that provides all sorts of resources. But I'm excited because this past summer we did partner with Marquee to help extend our wellness offerings a little bit. So in addition to what we can offer um, internally at EFR, we now can um, provide a platform and biometric screenings and things for organizations looking to really kind of take wellness to the next level. So Jen, what sets Marquee apart or how would you describe Marquee as it compares to all of the other wellness vendors out there? Because there are a lot to choose from. Yeah, I definitely feel... um our people, uh, our skill set of our uh, team is um, top notch. Uh, you know, our health coaches, which have the opportunity to really touch, you know, almost the entire population, depending upon how we structure a program. Um, they all have their master's level degree, um, you know, multiple years of experience in the field. They're certified um, health and wellness coaches. So this isn't an entry-level position coaching. Right. Um, And for a lot of our competitors and even other wellness organizations that I've had um, the opportunity to work for, it was an entry-level position. And I think over the last handful of years, organizations are starting to realize when you have the right skill set of a coach or counselor in place that that can be a real difference maker in Most the behavior change. Yeah. Um, I, that was one thing that really attracted me to the marquee program um, when I was making a change was just the way in which coaching is offered. It is offered on an unlimited basis across all of our, you know, joint programs mm-hmm. and offerings, um, which I think is important. Um, you know, everyone's at a different spot in their wellness journey and, you know, even though you might trigger coaching because of weight management or one area, what we do know about this space is it's almost kind of like rolling a snowball down a hill, right? It's not one thing that has an opportunity to impact. I think that's the thing that makes wellness exciting and fun, but also potentially a little stressful for people. Mm -hmm. You know, so if someone triggers for weight management and our coach is talking to them and they find that they recently went through a divorce and they are struggling a little bit managing, you know, work from home, this is new for them, and their child sitting in the seat next to them with um, online school, that is causing a little bit more emotional eating than, you know, they would be otherwise faced with. Oh, and the refrigerator's, you know, 10 steps yeah, you're away looking now. At it so, all day. <laughs> um, you know, we have the opportunity with that unlimited coaching model to really speak to each of those potential stressors or barriers or habits or however we want to label right. them. Still ultimately, you know, chipping away at that emotional eating element, but we give ourselves permission and I think more importantly, time to work through those elements. Yeah. So um, that's why I highlight the skill set of our coaches. And then um, I really think our philosophy around coaching, which was another reason why I think the complement of our partnership is so important because it isn't necessarily like a one size fits all, right? We can right. really look at and meet the member where they're at, but then more importantly, give them the time to process. I mean, it's not easy to make a behavior change. If it was, then 
would we have jobs? <laughs> would not have jobs. <laughs> you know, we wouldn't see some of the the healthcare spend that's out there today. Right. Um, and, you know, many of the chronic conditions, um, you know, quite frankly, that uh, many people are faced with. And, and I hate to say this, I don't think those chronic conditions are going away anytime no. soon. Like we definitely have, um, you know, a lot of work still to do. Right. And we know that stress makes a huge difference when it comes to chronic conditions and chronic disease and, and pre-existing conditions. And I, I just don't see the stress levels decreasing and, you know, and there's a the whole science behind how stress triggers so many different physical health ailments. And so now I, I, I de definitely agree. I think the coaching element is something that I've noticed sets you apart. Uh, and I like how it's unlimited coaching. Mm -hmm. I mean that you don't see that very often. So, um, great, Great resources through Marquee. So we are partnered with them, and I'm very excited to see where this partnership takes us in the future. Jen, I was so excited to have you sit down with me today. Yeah, thank you. I was really um, looking forward. Always fun to talk. Really and looking forward to getting out. Yeah, I know. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are listening and want to stay connected to EFR, please visit our website, www.efr.org. If you're listening and you have an EAP, maybe it's through EFR, maybe it's through someone else, don't be shy. Reach out. EAPs are a great first place to go when you're feeling stress. It does not have to be a catastrophic event. It does not have to be a crisis. It can just simply be I'm feeling a little down. I'm feeling a little heavy hearted. I'm feeling the stress of insert whatever life situation you're going through. And your EAP is most likely going to help you get on the path to feeling better emotionally. And that might even affect your physical health, your social health, um, your spiritual health. So very, very good to have you here with me today, Jen. At EFR, we say life happens. We're here to help. Thanks for listening to Emotion Well. Please subscribe to us and don't forget to rate us. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Emotion Well is hosted by Johanna Dunleavy and produced by Emily Wonkong.